0: If you would please turn with me to Romans chapter 14 verses 1 through 7. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant to his own master he stands or falls? Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself.
1: I apologize about that at the very end of the first song. You might have heard me uh, hollering Morris's name. I was out in the foyer and thought that I'd turned off my mic, and well, didn't I say something about technology being great whenever it works? But <laughs> uh, far too often I mess it up, so there you go. I'm sorry about that. We are dealing with another question of the uh, asking for a friend. Uh, how do we know about things like Christmas? Is it okay to celebrate dates like Christmas? Um, What the asker asked initially or also is how do we understand the silence of the Bible and what happens and what that truly means about the Bible speaking where the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible's silent. But they asked it in respect to this question about may a Christian celebrate uh, or recognize holidays that the world does like Christmas and Easter. And then the follow-up question that we'll deal with at the very end is this. How do we approach those friends in this topic when they ask why we don't follow, quote-unquote, uh, quote, the norm uh, for these holidays and still call ourselves a Christian? I'm going to approach the question from the angle at which it's asked. And we're going to start here in Romans chapter 14. And actually, you can just leave your Bible open there because this is a great text to talk about this. If you'll notice at the very very beginning, he mentions, and he says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over, New King James here says doubtful things. If you have a different translation, some of the other other, um, uh, versions might say something like discernment or areas of discernment. One of them says matters of opinion, matters of opinion. And here's the principle that we want to get from Romans chapter 14 verses 1 through 7 because what he's talking about is using a Christian's liberty in Christ but not using it to beat somebody over the head with or not using it in order to cause somebody else to stumble or not using it to, uh, to justify selfish or sinful motives. And what he's saying here, I believe in Romans chapter 14 verses 1 through 7 can be summed up in this and the principles there are in verse 4. Who are you to judge another servant to his own master he stands or fall indeed he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand what the writer is saying here what Paul is saying is that there may be different opinions about matters of Christian liberty but if God accepts this person the point that he's chiefly making here in Romans chapter 14 is that I must accept this person also And I need to be careful and I need to remember to be gracious as far as my actions go. But notice in giving this principle, he sandwiches it between two illustrations. So the principle there in verse four is sandwiched by the first illustration there in verses two and three. The very first one is having to do with what we eat, what we eat. He says let him, uh, one believes that he may eat all things but he who is weak eats only vegetables let him not despise him who does not eat and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats for god has received him Listen we may have strong feelings one way or another as to what you can eat somebody believes he can eat all things one who is weak only eats vegetables But he says it's not this person's job to look down on the people that are not eating vegetables or this person's job to look down upon the person that only eats vegetables. He says God receives that man, therefore we need to receive that person also. Opinions may differ of those things, but we treat one another with love and with sincerity and with an understanding that God receives this person, therefore I'm going to be gracious with my speech and the way that I behave. The second illustration he gives is more relevant to this question, verse 2, and days we observe. He says, "...one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats eats to the Lord, he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, and he does not eat and gives God thanks." For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. When we look at the contrast here of how one person is observing a day and how they're looking at one day as different or special above any other day. Again, they're not holding this and they're not wanting to beat somebody over the head with it religiously and say, well, you need to observe this day and you need to do this and you need to behave in this way. But then there's somebody over here that's also looking at this person observing this day and saying, I can't believe they're doing that. Paul says, don't do that. God accepts both, therefore we need to accept them too. Understanding the cultural context, I know that Paul's not referring to Easter or Christmas or Halloween or any other American holiday that we observe or don't observe today in our America 2020, almost 2021. Consider this. The Roman church was made up of Jews and Gentiles. In bringing these two with vastly different value backgrounds, the Jews had a very rigid set of ordinances and requirements and commandments that they observed religiously, literally, for years and years and years, for their lifetime. And then coming out of that and embracing Christ, Romans chapter 7, as he talks about dying to the old law so they could be married to Christ— Consider the fact that if you had a Jewish family that was there in the church in Rome, and they recognized what a blessing the Sabbath worship was, what a blessing it was to gather together on the Sabbath day, to gather around a table to sit and appreciate who God is, and appreciate the word that he's given, and appreciate time together with the family. If that Jewish family said, I know that's not what makes me righteous. I know Jesus makes me righteous. But as a family time, we want to continue to observe the Sabbath. We want to continue to use this time specially for our family so that we can get together and we can learn more and draw nearer to God. Is that sinful? Is that something that somebody can look down on and say, no, 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 you don't need to do that anymore. No, 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 don't you know that that, that there's no part of the Sabbath and Christian worship? There's no part of the the Sabbath and Christian work and service. Paul is saying the exact opposite here. He said, if you're going to go ahead and observe that, you go ahead and observe it. But you don't have any right to look down on anybody else for not observing it. Likewise, those people that are not observing that, they don't have any reason or any business looking down on those people that choose to observe those, uh, that, that, that day. You know, the meaning changes. But the observance is okay, is what Paul is saying. As long as they haven't substituted this practice for what they ought to be doing as Christians. Imagine that same family saying, well, we worship for sa- on Saturday for so many years. Would it be a problem if we as a Christian family decided to gather together on Saturday and worship God on the Sabbath? And then we've got a problem because they're violating clear teaching on what the New Testament uh, demands us to do. Romans chapter, or excuse me, Acts 20 and verse seven and other passages where we have the disciples, as Carrie mentioned this morning, coming together on the first day of the week. That's what God wants in the New Testament era. They're not substituting that. They're supplementing. The meaning changes, but the observance is okay. And again, as long as they haven't substituted that practice for what they ought to be doing as Christians or look down on others for not doing it as they do or doing something sinful in the observance of it, and then, no, they haven't violated any principle of Scripture Again, nor do others have a right to look down upon them and condemn them because they want to continue observing that day. Now, let's come full circle back to our question. What about Christmas? What about Easter? Two days that I believe promote the most thought for Christians. Because Christianity, again, blanket term, I use that term very loosely, the world that looks to Jesus, at least in some parts, you can classify the denominational world. You can classify everything that this world terms as Christianity. They're going to look at Easter and Christmas as two high holy days. You've got Easter, that is the resurrection of Jesus. And we know which, sun, which day that falls on in April. And, and every year you have that, uh, that map calendar and it tells you this is Easter Sunday. This is the day that, uh, that Jesus rose from the dead. And then we have December 25th as listed as Christmas on our secular calendars. And believe it or not, that was done, I believe, years later by a Roman Roman, uh, emperor wanting to kind of uh, take a pagan festival and give it a Christian dressing, if I can say it like that. And so it has roots in pagan religion, but he said, let's take this festival here December 25th and let's add uh, some Christian elements to it. Let's talk about it in terms of the birth of Christ. Well, are those high and holy days, are those things that God really wants us to observe? Are those things that we're going to look at and say, Well, I'm going to esteem whatever the fourth Sunday in April is better than every other Sunday. Or I'm going to take December 25th and celebrate that as Jesus' birthday. Well, here's where the silence of the Bible comes in. The Bible hasn't said to celebrate just one time for the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible said nothing about a particular day to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and so therefore, we don't have the authority to hold those days up as if they are far more special than any other day. Believe me, if God wanted us to celebrate one particular day for Jesus being born, he would have said, this is the day Jesus is born. This is the day that you need to honor him and glorify him and celebrate that. But listen, when we talk about celebrating the resurrection, it's not one day a year. We celebrate the resurrection every day that we live faithfully as Christians. You know that? We talk about the death and the burial of Jesus whenever we absorb the Lord's Supper, and we proclaim him until he comes Jesus is alive he is our savior that's alive that's not one of those things that we honor one day a year and that's it and so the bible's silent it doesn't give any credence or weight or authority to holding up any of these days any more importantly than the other incidentally just in case you're wondering December 25th is a very 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 unlikely time for the birth of Jesus. Do you know that if you're tracking what the Old Testament and what the New Testament say about the time of year, we're looking probably late March or early September for the birth of Jesus. Kind of hard to think about drinking hot chocolate and singing Christmas carols in the dog days of summer or in the middle of March Madness. But anyway, it's hard to imagine giving presents and those things in the midst of that time if that's what we're going to try and do to be accurate. But again, the silence of the scriptures is what we're interested in. God gave no command, God gave no example, God gave no inference about celebrating either one of these days as far more important than any other day. The Bible is silent and we appreciate the resurrection of Jesus, yes we do, every day. We appreciate the birth of Jesus, yes we do, every single day and with that there's liberty. But if we try and assign an importance to a day that God hasn't assigned any importance to. We've gone beyond scripture and now we're in the realm of error. Other than that, talk about hunting Easter eggs. Talk about wanting to get together on December 25th and giving presents to one another. And sitting under a tree and, and having all of the blessings of being together with family. And giving, uh, observing those times. Again, God's word is silent. There's not a thing wrong with it, provided that there are no other Bible principles violated. The meaning is not what the world observes, but the observance and the enjoyment of that are absolutely okay. So I've heard arguments within the preaching circles about whether or not we should preach a lesson on the birth of Jesus around December 25th. If you've been here for the last two or almost three years now, you know that I do that. Particularly because I want people to be educated about the Savior. And if people's minds are naturally geared that way towards that in the month of December to thinking about the birth of Jesus, I'm going to encourage them to get to know Jesus better. I'm not going to encourage them to hold up December 25th as the day of Christ's birth, but what I may do is mention about late March or early September. I may mention about the error of some of the things like uh, the nativity. Did you know the wise men didn't come to Jesus whenever he was there in the manger? The wise men came maybe months later, whenever he was in the house, according to Matthew. And when you look at the shepherds and how the shepherds were abiding in the fields and, and how there were not probably more than three wise men, there's a lot of error this time of year that goes around based upon that because people are kind of in love with an idea and not necessarily with the Savior. I want to help people to be in love with the Savior. But again, I'm not going to look down on somebody that says, I don't want to say anything about that and give heed or credence to people's false idea about that during December, uh, the December time frame. So the last part of this question is this, how do we talk to our friends about this? If they know that you're a New Testament Christian and they know that you're not going to church on December 25th, I don't know what day it falls on this year, I don't think it's a Sunday, but you look and they say, well, you're not going to a candlelight service on December 24th, you're not going to go do one of those things, how do you respond to that? What do we do? Let me give you an A, B, C, D, things to think about, and hopefully this little mnemonic will help you in your conversation. Don't freeze up. You can do it. <laughs> Number one, A, affirmation. Turn your Bible, please, to Acts chapter 17 as we finish here. Acts chapter 17 and verse 22. Paul there, in the midst of a pagan world, in the midst of a very uh, um, pluralistic, uh, very uh, uh, diverse religious group as he's preaching to notice one of the first things he said to these philosophers in Athens there in Acts chapter 17 and verse 22 he said you men of Athens I perceive that in all things you are very religious King James says too superstitious I want to look at this and I want to think about Paul giving these people a sincere compliment Isn't that true that a sincere compliment can sometimes be disarming whenever you're having a religious discussion, especially? When you're able to say, that's an excellent question. Thank you so much for asking it. A lot of people just make blanket assumptions. Isn't that true in our world today? That this particular religious group or these people want to believe this certain thing and they want to just uh, drive everybody else out? That's a great question. I'm so glad that you asked it. There's an affirmation there. There's a compliment. It tells me that you're interested in, well, in me. You want to know about what I'm interested in or what I believe. There's an affirmation, B. Let's drive them to scripture. Paul takes the opportunity here in Acts 17 and verse 24 to say, this God that you have, that you don't know, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it since he's Lord of heaven and Lord of earth does not dwell in temples made with hands. How can I turn this and bring these people all the way around to open up the Bible with them so that we can have a discussion based upon God's Word. Folks, listen, religious conversations are great. However, religious conversations don't need to be just, well, my Bible says this. Well, my Bible says this. Well, my Bible says this. It's like a ping-pong match where you drive back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What you really need is a time that you can say, let's sit down with an open Bible. Let's study this. Because As long as it's just me, then you, me, then me, then you, then me, then you, what's going to continue to happen is nobody's going to think substantially about Scripture during those times. What they're going to do instead is just going uh, be be not necessarily listening to you, but waiting for their turn to talk. As opposed to opening up God's word and saying, let's go to a Romans 14. Let's look at what the Bible says about this. Let's think about how God authorizes things. Let me show you Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20 about uh, uh, Jesus having all authority in heaven and on earth and how we need to listen to him. We need to open up the Bible if, we, if at all possible. Or we need to bring them to the Bible. And I understand that if you're just having a, a simple conversation with somebody, it may be more advantageous to say, that's a great question, and you know what? The Bible has an answer for that. I would love to be able to open up the Bible and share that with you. Or, do you believe that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness? And the answer is yes, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And we want to just do simply what the Bible says. We want to just simply be pleasing to God, don't you? And leave it open for them. And have an opportunity to let them speak. A, B, C. Certainty. What do we know for certainty? What do we know for truth? Verses 30 and 31. God has appointed a day on which he'll judge the world in righteousness by the man which he has ordained. He's given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection, some mocked while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. Did you know that you don't find a date for Christmas in your Bible? Well, that's shocking to a lot of people. Oh, yes, it is. It's it's December 25th. I know, that's Jesus' birthday. Well, turn from Matthew to Revelation and see if there's any place in your Bible that gives any credence at all to December 25th being Jesus' birthday. And that we need to celebrate that day more than any other day. The evidence is just not there. We know that with certainty. Therefore, we begin with that certainty and we reason through it. God could have, couldn't he, have given us the exact time and the exact place and the exact date. Well, he did give us the place, but the exact date that he wanted us to celebrate. And he could have put that on the pages of Holy Scripture for each one of us to look at and to think about and to revere. But he didn't. Do you think that's telling? Do you think that's God perhaps telling us something about the time and the date about what was really important. Listen, we are so glad that Jesus was born, but the way we honor him is through faithfully living every day. And the last is D. Once again, we've already mentioned this, but verse 32, when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. Again, folks, The truth of the matter is is that we're trying to get people to the discovery factor so that they can open up God's Word and they can discover for themselves what His Word says and how He wants us to live and the liberty that He's given us in Christ but also to respect the things that He's silent on and to provide liberty and, and opportunity for people to come to know Him and to come to serve Jesus like we serve Jesus. That's the answer. And I hope that that has been helpful for you. I hope it's been challenging for you. And realize, once again, we're not commanded to celebrate days, save the first day of the week where we gather together, worship our Lord, our God, on the day that Christ was raised from the dead. But what God wants more than anything else is for each one of us to serve him from the heart. Are you doing that today? Are you doing that this evening? Maybe there's somebody here that's ready to obey the gospel and that wants to... Come to a deeper understanding of God and a deeper knowledge of him. The only way that you're going to do that is through Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Are you ready to come to him? If so, he stands ready to receive you as we stand and sing our invitation song.